We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Oh, my goodness. What a glorious day it has been, right? You are listening to Steel Talk, and I am your host, Gerilyn Steele. It is what I love to do on a Sunday night is to be here with you. And it's been 23 years, glorious years. Yes, there were ups and downs, but it comes with everything that we try to do in our lives, right? So, yeah, it's been quite an amazing run. I would love to say that I am so really happy that Jonathan is back. Yeah, Jonathan Law is back, but I can't say it. His, his head will blow up. I mean, literally blow up. <laughs> so I just don't know if I should say it. But let's just try it. Hey, Jonathan, we missed you so much. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm very <laughs> even keel. I am just a a ball of humility. Um, oh, lies and slander. <laughs> Your bow tie stands up when you wear bow tie. it because bow of tie. your tie. I'm not the bow tie person. That is that is one Dan Cook at this station. He is the bow That's tie right. guy. That's right. Dan Cook, man, he does not play around. No, he, he does, does not. Not, not when it comes to his bow ties. He does not. Well, I have to start out by saying thank you to you as one of my producers, as well as Craig Schofer and Chris Tubbs. Thank you all for doing a great job. And by the way, Twins Baseball returns tomorrow as they travel to Cleveland to take on the Guardians. Pre-game show is at 5.30 p.m. with a 6.10 first pitch right here on WCCO. Okay, Jonathan, how are the Twins doing? I have not had a chance to listen in. They are doing well. They won today over Colorado and won that series and now they have uh, Cleveland after coming in earlier this week, winning a couple of games and getting a leg up on the Twins. They really took some hits this week against Boston uh, this weekend. And so now the Twins are back on top of the division. And now that series in Cleveland is a humongous one. Even at this time of the year, there's still three months left in the season. But at this time of the year, to, to – Go to Cleveland. It's a five-game series because they're playing a doubleheader, I believe, on Tuesday. So that means that if they can win three of five or four of five, they can really stretch that lead out a little bit more again. So it's a, okay. it's a big series. Okay. So um, i got to ask you real quickly, Michelson, what is his first name again? Phil. Phil Michelson, the golfer, right? Oh, Mickelson. Um, Mickelson, thank you. I thought it was Michelson. Um, I'm amazed at this whole thing that has um, started over this Saudi golf league um, that was happening. It's a really big deal, and they've been talking about it, what, now, for two months or something? Because they knew he signed on and said, yes, 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 I'm coming to Saudi Arabia. So what is the latest on that? 
So the tour, it's not, he's not playing in Saudi Arabia. There's, on this tour, there's eight stops. Um, one of them is in Saudi Arabia, but the rest of them are across the planet. Uh, the first one was in London a couple of weeks ago. The next one will be this next weekend, and there are four events that are scheduled to be hosted in the United States, and this is going to be the first of those events. It's in Portland, Oregon. So there are three more. Or th- there'll be three more in the United States. There's one I believe I can't. There's one in Asia, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head where these are. Mm-hmm. But the big thing about this league that's been formed, it's not that there's something that is different, or it's a new thing, or or it's a competitor to the PGA Tour, which is really the first big competitor it's seen in its history. It's the backer of the league. It's the fact that the Saudi Arabian government is basically backing this league. And so people are taking issue with, okay, if you're taking money from an entity that has been formed and is funded, fully funded, by the Saudi government, you you should have an idea of what their human rights record is. And people will talk about how the PGA Tour not only gives permission to for players to go play a Saudi Arabian tournament or two or places like Qatar or the United Arab Emirates. They talk about the PGA's relationship with China. They talk about the NBA's relationship with China, uh, the relationship in the past with places like Russia. The difference there is that there's a relationship there that should be, in in many ways, be scrutinized, and it shouldn't be just thrown under the table. But this is different when you have a government fully backing, fully funding an entity, and that's what this is, and that's why people are have some people are having, uh, they're they're causing a stink, such a big stink about it. There are other people. Well, that they're said, causing Let's... a stink is because he keeps saying things that people don't like him saying. He's well, been it's... trying to, you know, when this first started, this first came out, he was the one that kept changing the narrative. You know, he would say one thing, oh no, 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 and I'm I'm really no, no. I mean, he was almost stuttering. He didn't quite know what to say to particularly the press. Well, so it, I it, think that um, it, it well, it all arranged or not arranged. It all started with. A comment that he made to an author of a book that came out recently that kind of chronicled Mickelson's career. And Mickelson talked about how, you know, these are bad dudes. These are bad people that we're taking money from. And we know that they've committed human rights atrocities. We know that they were behind the murder of, a, of an American journalist. But yet, mm-hmm. you know... Sometimes maybe you got to take the blood money. That's con- that's paraphrasing what he said, and that's when everybody started to hound him for this. And he, it completely disrupted his career. He went MIA right. for about four months, missed the Masters, which he mm-hmm. loves, which he's a multiple-time champion. Mm-hmm. He skipped the PGA Championship which he won last year, mind you. He was the defending champion, and he won it at age 50, making him the oldest man to ever win a PGA Tour major. And he missed out on the opportunity to, to take in all that love and affection and just completely skipped it. And then the next time he came 
out of out of whatever hiding he came out of was for this live golf tour and so this is really it's really uh created a divide in the world of golf and between fan the golf fandom uh it's it's really created some sort of divide between everybody that follows the game. Was he the one that insulted Tiger Woods by saying, "Oh God, now that he's in the Masters, we're gonna have fried chicken?" And oh no 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 no, or no, no 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 no. Who was that? No no no. That was that was what we like what some people like call an old head uh, by the name of Fuzzy Zeller. That was Fuzzy. Oh Zeller. Fuzzy Zeller, yeah yeah. But but Mickelson didn't he use a, a bad word or a negative word? Um, towards Tiger Woods, no, an offensive word. No, he's never really. He's never been one to do that. There have been other people that are older that are on the 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 senior tour, the Champions Tour now, are just plain retired. It was older folks that were saying these things. Mostly, um, maybe David Duvall said something that wasn't that wasn't too flattering. Mickelson has not done that because um, okay. he knew that Tiger was good for the game. He knew that Tiger was going to be his main rival. He knew he had to step up and beat Tiger head-to-head to get any sort of credibility. So he's he's never been, as far as I know, derogatory mm-hmm. in his words toward Tiger Woods. Okay, thank you for correcting me on that. I sure appreciate it. All right, another thing I want to talk about is the G7, but we're going to take a break and then come back in just a moment. Stay tuned. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with us here at WCCO. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It's 721. And, of course, it's time to talk about the G7. That is happening today. It started today, and it's going all the way through t- uh, Tuesday, I believe. And this summit is really important this year. Our, our President Biden urges the Western unity on Ukraine amid war fatigue. War fatigue? Oh, man. Yeah, so many people are absolutely fatigued with all of the war, with all of the madness that is happening from country to country. What's interesting is that you look at this round table of um, leaders, this G7, and they are really powerful. Let's just 
put it that way to make it very clear. And then you look at who is involved in this, this group of seven, group of seven leaders. Um, they... They wanted to announce new bans on imports of Russian um, Russian gold, the latest in a series of sanctions. The Club of Democracies hopes will further isolate Russia economically. Now, they also were looking at possible price caps on energy meant to limit Russian oil and gas profits that Moscow can pump into its war effort. What's amazing about this group is that it's all men except for one. One woman is a part of this, and when you um, really read about her or or find out who she is or why she's there, I get so frustrated. I don't know. It feels like we are all going backwards. Women are being chased. It's like they're trying to chase us backwards. You know, when we came um, and heard yesterday, in fact, on Friday, what the Supreme Court did about uh, Roe versus Wade, I don't understand why in the world Specifically, do men have to get in our business? Why do they have to get all up in our stuff, you know, going all into our private parts, you know, just while they're sitting at home thinking about it or sitting at home reading it or sitting at home deciding that they're going to change something really big in women's lives and they're going to take over our lives. Well, there was one woman yesterday, Jonathan, and she was out there protesting and she said something and I, 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 <laughs> I can't remember the whole thing, but she had one sign that said, you know, we're going to make sure that vasectomies are, are done on every man. And, and maybe some people think that's really funny. But seriously, if we got in their stuff while they're in our stuff, maybe somebody's stuff will finally drop off and we'll get clarity. I don't understand it. I will never understand why men want to get in our business. Leave our private parts alone. Just leave us alone. We have the right to make our own decisions. Period. Now, I don't know about you, Jonathan. If someone says to you, okay, you have to have a vasectomy immediately, you cannot, you cannot help bring children into this world. What would you say? I would say exactly what you're saying. I would say, hands off my business, uh, figuratively and in many other cases. And if I'm not hurting anyone, if, I, if I'm not harming anyone on the outside, then what is the what is the difference to me? Or what is the difference to you? Now, this is where it gets tricky because, again, this all goes to when does life start? Right. And I've been listening to different uh, people talking about this from the pro-choice side, from the pro-life side all weekend. And it's, it's just one of those issues where we are, we are going to be so divided on agreement on, on, on this issue that I don't know if it will ever get solved. And I'm not even asking if it's going to get solved. What I'm saying is why is it that your you know, men, you, men, just constantly keep coming after us because right? we think because we think we know it all and we think we have every every right to the power but it's quite evident that you don't know that you don't know it all I, I'm and not, i know I'm that there and i, I know I that just, there are I'm men just giving you i am just giving you the thought process behind it really no, there's no other that. logical explanation other than that other than oh there's a logical is, sense yeah this is this is thought to be a patriarchal society not just here in the United States, but in many countries around the world, 
It's thought to be patriarchal first. The men do the hunting. The men do the gathering. The men fight the wars. The men have the power. The men make the decisions. And whether it is right or wrong, whether it's logical, which I don't believe it's logical, mm-hmm. that's I think that is where you get that mindset. Is There's a term out there that you hear all the time now called mansplaining. Yeah. When you have when you have a man explaining things and and doing it in a degrading way or a downgrading way to women. You don't have a women splaining. You don't have a woman splaining term out there. You don't. It's, you know what my biggest concern is, Jonathan? Is that because of medications and the way our food is processed, you know, so many people have allergies to the food that we eat. And I'm looking at young girls, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, who are having their period much earlier than my generation ever did, right? And I I worry about them. What happens if they are raped, you know, or or incest or whatever? Well, that's still like rape. So why in the world would we not consider every type of woman when it comes to her making a choice? Or That's her parents been, helping to make the choice. You don't it's know like they're how not many considering times, it. I don't know if you know how many times that question has been asked to people on the pro-life side of this this entire weekend. And I'm sure it's been asked to people over the last, especially over the last five years since Donald Trump got into office. There, Once he got into office, there was the, possi- there was the likelihood that he would be replacing Supreme Court justices. And... Now we fast forward to this weekend, the number of people, pro-life people I've seen that have been asked this question about what if a 12-year-old gets raped? Are you telling, the, telling us that that woman should, that girl should take that out to term? And the amount, I, 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 the amount of ducking and dodging the answer, I mean, you're looking at, uh, I don't know if, if the former president could have done that ducking and dodging any better. It was there was there were very few clear, distinct answers to that. And they just continue to duck and dodge answering that question. Well, all I'm saying, if you're going to take the rights from women, then you must take the rights from men, period. You don't get to just decide that a woman has to have a child. It it just this sounds like the Handmaiden's Tale, right? It's like the, the TV program, the movie, whatever it is. What was it? A, a, a series, it, right? A, it was a book that was made into a series, and I believe oh, yeah. it's still it's still it is still uh, ongoing. I think this is the last season of it. Yeah, and it didn't work out in the in the book, and it didn't work out in the movie. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what is this madness? We are grown folk. These are these are women you're talking about, fully. Grown women, bright, smart, strong, caring. And all of a sudden you say, oh, no, you can't. You can't do any of that. We get to tell you what you can do. And now they're going after, you know, the pills to say you can't even take the pills to stop you from getting pregnant. So who exactly are they going after? They're not going after people of color. They're not going after black people saying we need you to have more babies. There, there used to be a time when I was going down 94 to St. Cloud and there were all of these huge billboards, right, that would say this baby is, you know, at, at once 
you know, the, the, once the child is, is there, is, is acknowledged, then that is a baby. That is a child. That's a baby. It's a child right then and there. And it's not. You can't take that child out of a woman and that child, you know, cries and opens their eyes and say, Mom, you know, it doesn't work that way. It's so frustrating to me. So then I say, if you're going to stay in our stuff, we're going to have to either get into your stuff or we're going to have to get out of your stuff. Hint, hint. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 736 here at WCCO. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. I love this song, Jonathan. It brings joy, man. I'm just smiling. <laughs> well, this... This interview, our first interview tonight, I'm telling you, this is really important, you guys, because I hear it so often from friends, from neighbors, from people in grocery stores or at parks. And it's kind of sad. You know, the best and worst places for first-time homebuyers in 2022, there's an article about it. And it says here, in the COVID-fueled real estate boom, home prices continue hitting new highs Soaring values are a windfall for homeowners, but a headache for first-time homebuyers who can be forgiven for feeling as though homeownership moves further out of reach by the week. Well, joining us to talk about this and to really take a look at what states are doing well, what cities are doing well when it comes to home buyers moving in and and what they're looking for that sort of thing uh jeff ostrowski i hope i said that correctly he's from bankrate.com he's an analyst and he is joining us to talk about this new study that has come out how you doing jeff i'm great and i enjoyed your interpretation of my story there that was uh, better than i could have read it myself (laughs) Well, thank you very much. This is really important that we have this right now because Americans are frustrated around the country. Those that thought, hey, I've owned a couple of homes. I can do it again. You know, I just need to make sure that the price is just right. And people are foregoing um, making sure they get um, an inspector in to check out the house, which I think is ridiculous and kind of crazy. But here we are talking about real estate again. Remember when we... the mortgage crisis that happened in 2007, 2006, 2007, um, was a nightmare. And here we are now looking at a different type of nightmare. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I, I do remember those days well uh, when the, we had a housing boom from 05 to 07 and then a, a crash. And I, I remember thinking, uh, oh, well, I guess we won't have to worry about affordability again. I mean, affordability issues aren't really going to hit the, uh, the, the U.S. housing market anymore. Um, and instead, as you just mentioned, we've got, um, we've got home prices soaring and affordability is really an issue. It's a big, huge issue, and every city is so different, right? But in the cities where we expect low prices, even those small cities – Right. Or small towns are finding that it's just it just keeps going up and up. So people are saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to move, you know, down south to some little tiny suburb. And then they find out it's as expensive there. (laughs) You know, so what do you do? Yeah. And this so unlike the the previous housing boom of 15 years ago, when it was really just a few cities or a few areas around the country that, that really were experiencing the boom places like California and, and Phoenix and Las Vegas and Florida. 
Um, and then really a lot of the Midwestern markets, a lot of the, the markets in the interior of the U.S. didn't see huge price spikes. And the opposite happened since COVID. So we've seen double-digit increases in home prices everywhere. Um, so even in places like Cleveland and Detroit that typically hadn't seen significant appreciation in home prices. So you're right, it's happening everywhere. Um, and of course, uh, most workers' paychecks aren't going up by double digits. They're, they're going up, but not that much. And so it's just really difficult for, for buyers, and especially for first-time buyers. So repeat buyers have have the luxury of uh, the cushion of all that equity they've built up. So it's uh, if you're selling one house and buying another, yeah, it's not an ideal time to be buying, but uh you know, nobody's going to cry too many tears for somebody who just uh, cashed in $100,000 in home price gains and they're rolling it over into a, another place. But for people who are renters now, it's very difficult because the, the home prices are at record highs. And so that it's just tougher than it's ever been to save up a down payment to qualify for a mortgage to, to um, clear all those hurdles you need to, to get over to, to buy a home. All right. So then tell me, why did you decide to do the study on first-time home buyers? Because to me, it looks as though we're all suffering with this, um, uh, with trying to buy a home, whether you've had several homes or one home before and you owned it. It, it seems to be, you know, an equal balance. So why, why first-time home buyers? Well, a lot of it is a, that that dynamic that I just described, where it if, uh, you know, I, I've owned my house for 20 years or if I'm, a, a you know, an older Gen Xer or a baby boomer, I, I chances are I've been living in my house for a long time. And I've really built up a lot of equity thanks to this boom here in the past few years. And so it, if that's my situation, I'm I, I can sell cash out and I, I can take that money from the, the sale and use it for a uh, for a down payment on the next place. But first-time buyers don't have that luxury. They don't have that cushion. And so it's just a really difficult market for them. And for people who really value homeownership, it's, uh, it, it might make sense to, to consider moving somewhere that's, that's more affordable. Um, and so that, that was what really was the impetus for this, that we've got a, a large population of millennials who are in their, their prime home buying years. That generation is even bigger than the baby boom. And so there, there are a lot of uh, Americans out there in their, their late 20s and their 30s who, who want to buy a house and are, and are really, you know, faced with a challenging market right now. Well, let's jump right in because, of course, we want to know the best and worst places for the first-time home buyers for this year. Where do we start? Well, and so best and worst, I guess, you know, might not be the, the most precise descriptor, even though that's what we called it. It's probably like the most challenging and least challenging markets. But so for the the worst markets, it's sort of the, the places you'd expect. Los Angeles came in number 50 out of in our analysis of the, the 50 largest metro areas. And that's just because homes there are so unaffordable compared to incomes. Um, at the other end of the scale, number one was Pittsburgh. And that's for the opposite reason. Homes there are, are very affordable in relation to incomes. And Minneapolis came in at number two among the top 50 metro areas. And it, it was for a combination of factors. The affordability dynamics are pretty good there. Um, I, I was a little surprised to see how high incomes are in Minneapolis for the, uh, for the age group that we looked at. So for 25 to 44 year olds, the median income in the Minneapolis metro area is more than $91,000 a year, according to the Census Bureau. And so that, that's high. I mean, that, that's similar to New York. That's higher than 
Denver or San Diego or Portland. Um, so the, the uh, even though Minneapolis is not a, a super cheap market in in raw terms, it's uh, for for people who are making a, a local wage, it's actually a fairly affordable market. And so that that was one of the big factors. And uh, Minneapolis also did very well in the homeownership rate among um, local residents, ages 25 to 44. And I, I'm assuming that's partly because of that uh, the, this high incomes for uh, for millennials and for younger Gen Xers in in your metro area. Yeah, you know, um, I'm curious about Kansas. They they have grown a lot over the years, over the last four decades, well, three decades for sure. Um, and I'm just curious, where do they land in this? Uh, let's see. So, uh, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, all right, you're. you're oh wait, wait! Now. I see it. it. No, I see it. No, I see it. The okay. Kansas City metro area ranked number one in market tightness or lack mm-hmm. thereof in this category. Correct. What does that mean? Okay, so the market tightness was just a way of, of measuring how difficult it's going to be for a buyer looking for a house in any given market. So we just looked at a, a couple of metrics. One is days on market, so how quickly homes are selling. Um, and then a, a, another uh, metric around um, around just how long it takes to, to buy a home. I'm sorry, I'm not too, uh, I'm drawing a blank on which which other metric we used. Um, oh, it was the inventory. So change in inventory over the past year. And so Kansas City uh, was really the, the softest market. Um, I mean, as you were just describing, we've got a, a crazy market nationally where buyers are being forced to do all these things like wave inspection contingencies, wave appraisal contingencies. And so the, this this ranking, we looked at these two metrics to just Figure out where where buyers might be least likely to face those those kinds of challenges, and so uh, Kansas City was the easiest market for for buyers. It, Minneapolis was sort of in the middle of the pack, um, and but, but I mean it's it's just a tough market everywhere. It, basically, in every metro area in the, the country, it's it, there's a, a shortage of supply and more buyers than there are sellers. I'm a little surprised to see Buffalo on here. Um, it says the metro area placed in the top 10 in affordability and housing market tightness. Um, mm-hmm. So once again, tightness. And, and when you look at that, the people in Buffalo, are they making enough to buy to purchase the homes? Yeah, yeah, they are. And it, it's not that uh, in the case of Buffalo, it's a, sort of a different story from Minneapolis. So it's not that uh, incomes are, are quite as high among young adults in Buffalo as they are in Minneapolis, but Buffalo home prices are just really low. And so that was uh, that was a driver for Pittsburgh, for Buffalo, um, it, just very low prices. Uh, the median home price in the first quarter of this year for Buffalo was $185,000, um, whereas in Minneapolis it was three twenty five. And so in, in a few of these markets, you know, places like uh, St. Louis and Cleveland and Detroit and, and Louisville and Birmingham, Alabama, um, Memphis as well. I mean, it, those are all very inexpensive markets. And so it, it, for somebody who's really struggling to, to afford a, a house, may, maybe one of those metro areas would be a, a place to consider. Let's quickly talk about the bottom five metros for first-time homebuyers. I mean, I was so surprised to see Seattle on here. Yeah, um, well, Seattle, 
has had a an extreme shortage of, of housing. It's it's one of the the tech markets on the West Coast where um, prices have just soared because you, you've got uh, a, a small number of very high paid workers, people working at Microsoft and Amazon and, and other tech companies who are cashing in stock options and and they want to live there in a, a tech hub. And so the, those folks have the ability to pay. And so it, it, that's one of the markets where, where home prices are just really being bid up because of the, the strength of the local tech economy. And it, it's kind of a, a similar situation in Silicon Valley and in San Francisco as well. You know, trying to get a mortgage has been such a challenge for so many people because the game has changed. The game has changed. And if, if it feels as though most people that are really trying, and I would say the middle class, um, that are, they keep trying to buy a house, but they know that the, since the rules have changed, like, oh, well, you have great credit and, oh, you sound great, but, you know, you really need to get a better job and maybe make a little more money for about two or four years, and, and then we can talk about this. I mean, you start to hear these things, knowing from, like, even bankers, it's like, how in the world are any, how are we ever? Ever going to get ahead when trying to find a home? Well, yeah, that's the the challenge of this big run up we've had in home prices over the past two years. I mean, uh, not that it was easy to qualify for a mortgage before COVID, um, but I mean, we've had twenty percent a year home price appreciation for a couple of years now, and incomes just haven't gone up that much, especially for for first time buyers. And so it's just it, it's gotten really tough for for buyers to qualify. Um, I mean, there there are programs like the, the FHA loan, the Federal Housing Administration mortgage program um, that does allow uh, borrowers to qualify with just three and a half percent down and with uh, the credit scores as low as maybe six thirty or six forty. So that that is an option, but of course the, uh, the the income challenge that you mentioned isn't going to be solved by an FHA loan because if you just don't have enough income to qualify, it's, you're you're still not going to qualify. Um, so that that's that's part of the reason that uh, that we did this study um, just just to help people get, have a little more information about uh, where they they might be able to to go to to stretch their housing dollar a bit farther and hopefully boost their chances of qualifying for a mortgage. Last question. If they don't get to buy homes, then what happens? What happens to people? The rent is severely high in many of these uh, cities that you've talked about. So where do we go next? How do we know where to turn in order to get a loan? Right. So, yeah, the rent is a, a huge challenge, and, and that's that's really feeding into this affordability crisis, because if your your rent's going up 15 and 20 percent a year, that's really eroding your ability to save for a, a down payment and just get your finances in order to, to be able to buy. Um, I, I would say that uh, homeownership is, is not the only way to to economic security, but it is a very important uh, part for most Americans. It, it's a, a way to to build wealth and to uh, to have some certainty around your your month to month and year to year housing expenses. Um, so there, I mean that that's uh, there's a very long answer to that question, but um, I I guess the, the short answer would be it, it's very difficult in in high priced markets. It, it can be done though by by cobbling together some things like uh, down payment assistance, first time home buyer assistance, 
Um, and, and then looking for some workarounds like, uh, you know, maybe buying a fixer up or a move, being willing to move farther out and, and maybe have a longer commute. Mm. Well, the fixer-uppers are even way more expensive than I think they should be. So there we go. But Jeff Ostrasko, thank you so much for joining us tonight. He's with Bankrate.com. He's an analyst, and he is joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Thank you so much, Jeff. I hope we can talk with you again. Great. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everyone, you learn, I learned a lot, and it's quite a study if you get a chance to check it out. I'm going to see if I can find that uh, link where you can get this because it's really quite remarkable what is happening. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. It is now 7.57, and I tell you, um, I wanted to make sure you knew that also when it comes to buying a home, people are concerned about wellness and culture. They are concerned about safety and so much more. So um, stay tuned. I'm going to try and find that website so that you can find out where they got it from and where you can access it as well. Now, coming up next, my next guest in the 8 o'clock hour is Corey Gordon. He's a lawyer, and we're going to talk a little bit about global racial reckoning. We'll be back in just a moment. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.